Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of the Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. If you haven't watched my recent interview with uh, psychologist Terry Marks Tarlow, to get some idea about this geometrical time-space traveler in our personal lives and in the world around us. Fractals tell us that all us creatures living on this planet, and that includes plants and trees and coyotes and your puppy or your cat at home and any of your other favorite beings in your life. Fractals seem to show us how we are dynamically connected with each other. As happened to me, I think your views of reality, your views of reality are gonna shift. So enjoy the discussion between Terry and the teacher and the student. Here we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, this keeps this comes up again and again that that the difference between what a fractal is and what it models in nature is different than for a fractal epistemology. And so I want to say to you that it's the epistemology that can be helpful here okay. and not in, you know, and, and in uh, modeling the possibility of synchronicity, not the specific incidences, not in explaining specific incidences or categorizing them or anything else. And the place that it's useful is in boundaries, is in looking at what boundary conditions are. So let me ask you something. If I can show you how um, there can be open boundaries between mind and matter, is that enough for you? Will that work for you? Because to me, that doesn't. If it doesn't for you, then this may not do anything for you. I'm just uh, trying to do something with this. The closest I've gotten is the old uh, English uh, coastline. And the more detail you get into measuring it, the more it merges with the ocean. Well, that's true. I mean, that's certainly what it's like to have a deep relationship with someone, right? So you can see... Um, okay, so that's a boundary. That's a boundary thing. All right, let me let's share the screen. I'm gonna what I'm gonna show you um, at Yale last year. Um, we were invited to show the epistemology uh, as part of the consciousness um, conference that uh, was sponsored by um, Leslie Combs and others or whatever. Um, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that because it was a very, very short. I think I had 15 minutes or something to show the epistemology. Okay, so I'm just going to like run, <laughs> run through the thing. But it's so visual. It's so, so visual. So, um, and and much of it you don't need even need to see. I just a very, very uh, brief. Just one slide, maybe is relevant. Okay. So um, Euclidean geometry reductionist is what you're stuck in from my point of view that you, you may not realize it, but what you, what you think you're looking for is reductionist. I got, I, I got the Euclidean geometry thing. Okay. 
Um, so fractals, you understand, you understand them, right? You understand how they're created, that, that big, the, the most important thing about a fractal is starting with a seed algorithm and applying it again and again. So actually, let's talk about that for a second. Oh, that, that's how they're created, by a seed algorithm. Right. So if you, if you think about our genetics uh, and epigenetics as a seed algorithm, then you can see how, right, you can see how there's this recursive element in consciousness and learning and et cetera, that, right, you can sort of see how that applies in a certain way to human beings having a seed algorithm. <laughs> seed algorithm changes a little bit. Are you referring to DNA as a, as a seed algorithm? The DNA is the initial one and then epigenetics as, as, as then the next one. Um, uh, interaction, early interactions as another one and write internal working models as another one, right? So there are seed algorithms of different levels and complexity happening all the way through, but we well, all- uh, having, having examples like those three and more uh, is very useful for me and what okay. might be for other people. And okay. so those are three examples, right? We've got genetics, we've got epigenetics, we've got internal working models as the initial <laughs> start, seed algorithms that we keep recursively returning to and adapting as we go. And, they, and the, 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 the seed algorithms is flexible enough to be able to change, to, to, as to exactly. change. So the, right. fract, so the fractal structure becomes a change from the beginning and, and that's an important, that's a very important idea for me is to see that they can evolve um, off the same seed algorithm, but there's enough flexibility in it to, uh, to be able to evolve based on exactly. environmental and other inputs. Okay. Exactly. So of all the animals, we are the most flexible and dynamic and we take our genetics. I mean, the whole thing about the brain plasticity in the brain and now including plasticity to, to be not just um, structural changes, but um, uh, software, you know, not just hardware stuff, but software stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th 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 there's a seed algorithm uh, for a tree, probably, um, mm -hmm. for the tree branching. Um, it can change with the environment, the wind, and the, the water exactly. that's around there. Okay, so that is a little bit of flexibility in a tree that has to do with these chaotic elements in the environment. But, and now that we're learning trees communicate and do all kinds of stuff, there's probably more plasticity than we realize there. Too. Well, I, I, what, what I don't understand is the, the, um, the quality of flexibility in a seed algorithm. Are you saying that's part of the seed algorithm, the degree of flexibility it has in it? Well, if we look at our genetics, then um, compared to, you know, evolutionarily, mammals, evolutionarily, um, every stage of evolution includes greater flexibis flexibility and plasticity in um, how the genetics are expressed. And now that we're learning about epigenetics, um, you know, now we're learning, now it's Lamarckian evolution. Well, I, I always thought Lamarck was right. Uh, yeah, and and, and uh, I, I was into ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny a long time ago. And, yes. And, what, is, and yeah. what, I, what I did with that with psychotherapy is that individual psychotherapeutic relationship recapitulate the history of psychotherapy. Well, see, the, you have fractal, this is, these are all fractal thinking. <laughs> this is all fractal thinking. That's well, all like a similar. I, 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 I call it pattern repetition thinking. Okay, but you know, if we're saying that fractals may be the way the universe pattern does pattern, 
why not use the word, right? Because you're doing, that's a self-similar idea. Oh yeah. I mean, I understand. I love seeing self-similarity. That's how I, one of the ways I get into coincidences that you got two right. things that are similar somehow. So I'm, I'm a big pattern identifier. My second stage of psychotherapy is called pattern search. Right. And unlike uh, Elliot Benjamin, who just is some kind of uh, reductionist uh, mathematician who started out with a bias against this, it sounds to me like you, your intuition, you, your response is like my response. You think there's something there. You just want to understand it. That's it. That's okay. it. And, and I, I, what talking with you has done is that I have much fuller appreciation of nature's desire, if you will, to repeat patterns. Yes. That, and that's, I start seeing pattern repetition all around. Right. It's all around. Right. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. And, you know, like we said, you're seeing pattern repetition and I'm having synchronicities. And it's not just me having synchronicity. My daughter's talking about synchronicity. <laughs> She's having synchronicity. So like it's contagious for the people around me, my patients, my daughter, which is interesting. All right, let's go on. Well, my, my analogy for that is, uh, is that I am the, I, I, I spread the fairy dust of synchronicity around. Okay. So here, here Bernie is why I, I want to really engage you on this is because um you know, you have the intuition about this. I am totally convinced about this and basically have had nobody who is technically able to understand, refute it, but I don't self-promote. And the more I go forward and the more students are using the epistemology in their dissertation, the more I realize this could really change the world. So um, I think I, I want you, if you buy, if you wind up buying this to help, you know, spread the importance of this way of thinking, because I'm not good at that and I don't have any interest in it. So this is why, you know, when you come at me in a sort of this very sort of skeptical, you know, I don't see how this explains the hard problem, et cetera. It's like, I don't need this in my life on the one hand, except you're different in that you do have that intuition. So I do need this in my life. So let's go on. Okay. I'll be nicer about it because <laughs> that's all it is because yeah, no, because yeah. there's, I mean, I can be nicer about it because I have that intuition. You're correct that there's something here. I mean, it's a little bit like seeing the old Kabbalists saying they had a map of the universe and with their, with the Eitz Chaim, with the tree of life. And right, which is also fractal, which is also a fractal model. So, well, yeah. what I need your help with Yes. is to go from the obvious, more and more obvious to me, pattern repetition thing, which I have been into uh, for a long, long time, right. to fractals. To, to okay. make, there's a leap there that I have not made. That's what I'm hoping I'm going to do with you right now. And you're going to tell me if I do it, okay? All right. So, all right, you don't need this, right? That it's not the cause. I wanted this on my cover. <laughs> Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, I wanted that and a, and a, and a Nautilus on my cover. And they came, and they came up with the uh, Golden Spiral. Okay, so you know where I'm going with this. So, so this is just, a, you know, it's at the, it's at the, the galactic level, the, ma the mesos, the meso level, and here, and here, and here, and I'm just going to go all the way really quickly through this. Oh, those are pretty. Right, I know, I, I love the, the, oh, that's pretty too. Spread of epidemics is fractal, right? The spread of rumors are fractal. So I'm saying all that makes us unique and recognizable may be fractal. Our physiology, same patterns, right? Um, the body is a fractal clock of nested time scales. So this is a fractal image. This is different. We won't 
do there. Here's your spiral. This is a growth algorithm, algorithm where time is etched into space by pre preserving the shape of the hull. This is important. So what I'm going to try to do is help you shift from that reductionist, explain it to me, break it down to a synthetic. How do you, what happens when you start with the pattern of the hull? All right. Okay. So it's also decay. It's not just growth algorithms. It's decay algorithms. So here you can see how the, the decay here is like here. Now, think about this for a moment. If our wrinkles are showing the entire, are mapping the entire history of how our muscles have moved with emotion, you can see how time gets etched into space with fractals. That's beautiful. That? That's beautiful. Okay, you see that, right? You get that. Yeah, I'm, I get that. Okay. Yeah, I just, that, that's really, that's really, uh, that's very cool. It's very cool. This whole thing is so fucking cool. Okay. I agree. So incredibly cool. And I just want you to track what I'm saying. And if you don't, stop me. All right, so they're infinitely deep when, when iterated on the computer. And really it's the infinite dimension. It's the infinite dimension that is the bridge that you're looking for. Okay? okay, so because it's the finite, you know, when we think about finite dimensions, they're discrete. But when there's, when there's this infinite place between finite dimensions, there's a bridge. Does that make sense to you? Say that again, please. Mm -hmm. So Euclidean geometry has finite dimensions. There, you know, a, a point is zero dimensional, a line is one dimensional, a plane is two dimensional, uh, a, um, a sphere is three-dimensional and we tend to locate objects finitely. What fractal geometry does is it adds the infinite space between dimensions and that's where everything happens. That's your bridge. All right. Okay. 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 I, I began, I've been reading some other stuff, uh, before this, and uh, I, I heard this before, uh, yes, like today or yesterday. So, this is like uh, like New. the infinity that's in the space between dimensions. Exactly, that's your bridge. That's the bridge. All right. Okay. All right. So, if uh, fractals occupy the infinite space between finite dimensions, so does consciousness, imagination, shamanic, shamanic travels. You you get how you get it, how it works, or do you want me to show you how it works? Show me how it works. Okay. So, um, if a line is a one-dimensional thing, then a scribble is a one-dimensional object that's occupying two-dimensional space and it's going crazy all over the place. You got that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Depends how much of the space it occupies, you'll have your fractal dimensionality. So if it occupies, if it's just like only occupying a little bit, it's going to be a lower fractal dimensionality. If it's really tight scribble, it's going to be higher. Okay. And, and by higher relative to what? Dimensionality, higher dimensionality. Well, dimensionality. Higher. We've this talked about one, two, and three dimensions. So when you say higher dimensionality, what's the what's the is between one and two? This is between one and two, right here on the left here. So the higher dimensionality is closer to two? Yes, closer to two. So oh, if, okay. if this scribble was like really dense, maybe it would be 1.85. If it was just like, you know, really loose, maybe it would be 1.2. And if it covered the whole page and all scribble, <laughs> it'd be two dimensions. Exactly. 
Okay. Okay. So look over in the right. You've got a you've got a two-dimensional triangle. Mm -hmm. You you take that triangle, deform it a little bit according to chance, and replace that, you know, replace the whole thing by each side having a triangle. And then all of a sudden you get a mountain. And that's between two and three. Cool. Okay. Yeah, this is cool. This is really cool. Between two and three. Okay. So now you see, you can see how, why animation is fractal. Right? Because you can see how you just throw a little randomness in and it looks real. Okay. So fractals here are arising at, at the intersection between, whoops, I'm sorry, between math, art, and science. So this is the same structure, this same structure, different views. So it depends how you color it. So let me go back and tell you how to color it. The Mandelbrot set, the inside is stability. Okay, so when you run this, when you run this uh, um, formula, if you start on some point on the complex number plane and it goes to a, a number, if it settles down, you're on the inside. If it runs to infinity, you're on the outside. If it is jumping all over the place, that's the Mandelbrot set, and that's what's complex. Okay? All right. Makes sense to you? So yeah. we're, at the, we're at the intersection between chaos and order. And or order. And yeah. order. So right. I, I love that place. Yeah. Okay. So here. And, and, I, and how, this, you color, how you color a fractal, and I did it in black and white here because this was for my book, but it, if it were in color, then how you color a fractal depends on how, how quickly it runs towards infinity. Does that make uh, sense? No, not yet, almost, but I, I need a little more help there. Okay, so in other words, can you see how this image on top resembles this image on the bottom, but is different. Yeah. And it brings out different structures of yeah, the yeah. image. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Okay. So it's the same structure, but it's a different vantage point. By vantage point, you mean? This is you and this is me. You're on top, I'm on bottom. No, I'll be on top. I'm on top, you're on bottom. In other words, this shows how different people can look out to the world at the same structure and have a different perception of what it looks like. Because they're coloring it differently? Because they're coloring it differently. And when I look out on the world, what is the, what is the coloring uh, that I'm doing. What, what's that on the world? We could literally talk about color, but what we could metaphorically talk about emotion coloring your perception. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So, your emotional it, palette and my emotional palette will look out at the exact same scene and see something different. And this shows how that could work. That's great. Okay. All right. So, this is a model of different emotional palettes and subjectivities. It's a model of external reality, intersubjectively defined. And my term, interobjective anchor for relativism and social constructivism, meaning we actually are looking out at the same thing. Now, postmodernists will not say that. They'll say, it's all relative and there's no objective reality, but I'm positing there is an objective reality, okay? Mm -hmm. That's my philosophical stance, okay? Yeah, and that's what, that's what you're getting to the epistemology. Yes. And the this fractal epistemology uh, contains that there is an external world. Yes, it does. It well, does, and it also, 
which a lot of the consciousness people do. So I differ from them. Uh, I, I, and how do you respond to them when they, how, you don't, you, it's a belief, it's a belief, so you can't change it. It's a philosophical issue. If you want to start with the idea there's no reality out there, then what can I say to you? That's the same thing as a lot of other things. <laughs> right. right. What I would say to you is my body says something different and I trust my body. I don't trust you. I trust my body. So I, <laughs> well, I, I do run into walls sometimes. Of course, of course you do. But, you know, and that's why I'm trying to do this step by step so that either you're with me or you're not. And it's fine if you're not. You know, you just I, 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 I'm with you on that. There's something out there that's not out us. There. Thank you. It's not us. Thank you. <laughs> that's true. All right. Onward. Okay. So let's look at what observer dependent reality looks like from a fractal point of view. So this is the edge of a Koch snowflake, right? A Koch? A, a Koch snowflake, yeah. It's a form of a fractal that looks kind of like a snowflake. Okay, it's, okay. It, you start with a triangle and you keep replacing every edge with triangles and you get the Koch <laughs> snowflake. Okay. okay, I got it. Okay. So if my yardstick is crude, it's six units long. This looks straight. This is now we're doing the coast of England, okay? All right. All right. If my yardstick is two, is two units long, suddenly now this is one, two, three, four. Now it, it's got a greater length. Uh-huh. If my yardstick is half a unit long, it goes to 12. Yeah, I got it. If it's infinitely small, it's infinitely large. That's why the coast, any any coastline is considered infinitely long. Any any subdivision. Okay. You see it? Okay, good. Oh yeah, I got that one. So now you can see how the closer we look, the more there is to see. By more there is to see, um, the longer it is, is the way I look at what you got there. Sure, but let's say the more detail. So what this does is it shows you as you as you zoom in on a fractal, it shows you how much more information is available. How much? Oh, more. as you zoom in, you find more information. Okay. It shows you the ratio of the zoom to the information that's available. I, that I can go with that one. Uh, this yeah. is a nice illustration of it right there. Okay, yeah. good. Okay. Right. You're All welcome right. to, you know, as long as you credit me and we do this together, you can use any of this. I can send you this. I can send you, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, please do. Visual. Please, but I, I am not, I'm, I have to, I have to uh, say something about you if, I, if when I do this, because you're getting me to be able to see this. And yeah, you know, with Rob Sacco, I kind of knew there was something there, but I couldn't get there. You're helping me get there. So I very much appreciate it. That's what I'm, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. You know, I spent 30 years hoarding my own ideas and realizing I'm operating in a vacuum because I have no interest in spreading them. So now I am like throwing them out. Take my ideas, you know, take them, run with them. Just give me whatever credit you, you know, you need to. But, but even there, it's not about my ego. I mean, really, if people could think in these terms, they would be nicer. Okay. And, and let me also uh, parallel that with about my ideas about meaningful coincidences is not so much about me, but right. it's about them. So right. people will see them. Right. That's the idea. Exactly. Okay. Good. Okay. So, so this, so one of the paradoxes you said, let me go back. You said <laughs> something like, yeah, paradox is the problem. No, paradox is the solution. 
Okay, so it's the solution to the problem, not. Oh, that's what I meant. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, paradox <laughs> is the problem to be solved, is what I meant. Okay, well, and I'm going to show you how it's the problem to be solved and the solution to the problem to be solved. Okay, that, that's a nice step to go for. Okay. So as you're, as you're doing that, would you define recursive? I think it's worth you're just saying it, even though I, mean, sure. I, I kind of know intuitively, I like to hear some words. Sure. I will define it according to synchronistically the book I just read, which was the, the waterways story that came out of the forward. I took, I bought the book. So I was just reading the book. And I was just reading the waterways part in the heart. And so here's the book. So it's called uh, The Unseen Body. And the book's not as good as the, as the, webs as the uh, podcast was. But anyway, he's saying the heart is the, the heart and the brain are the two recursive structures in the body. And the heart is a recursive structure because the circulation system that it pumps goes back and circulates to the heart itself. Oh. So that is why it's recursive. The brain is recursive because it's about thinking. We use our thought processes to address to the processes themselves. That's what recursive means. How oh, very meta. It's meta. Oh, very meta. I mean, it's so I, I like the literalness of the heart one and then the kind yeah. of literalness of we use thought to uh, think about thought. Yes. And I use for thought, I use the self observer uh, as right. as the observer of thought. Right. So that's recursive. That's what it means. Okay? When something right. is back on itself. When the eye turns back to try to look at itself, it's recursive, like an Escher, the, the art gallery thing is, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, so now let's get into the boundaries. Here's where I wanna blow you away if I can. All right, so this thing on the left is the same Mandelbrot as what we saw before, except this whole area on the, you know, the lower right area. Yeah. Is black. That was black before. This is a reverse. This is a reverse fractal where it's showing going from order to chaos at the edges. Wow. Yeah. So it period doubles. You know what that means? Nope. One to two to four to eight, that's the whole Fibonacci. Um, well, actually, I'm sorry, that is not the Fibonacci, but that's, it's period doubling means one to two to four. That's the whole, um, the difference between a linear process and a nonlinear is a linear is additive and a nonlinear is multiplicative. Yeah. So this goes from, this is, the African divination. This is the river. This is the branching structure. It goes from one to two to four to eight, right? Oh, great. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I, branching is the easiest thing for me to see. Right. So this is the branching structure. So if you go to the middle of that uh, Mandelbrot set and it starts out as one branch, then two, then four, then eight. And then at the edge, it gets chaotic. Suddenly it goes multiplying and then it gets chaotic. And you can see what that looks like here, right? You can see this, how it gets chaotic. Yeah. Okay. Now look over to the right. Can you see the same infiltration of the branches from water to land in a delta? Yeah. Good. Now, can you see how that boundary is not solid? Yeah. And can you imagine if we were living somewhere at the edge here, we might not know if we're in water or land? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. 
Now this, this is the piece de resistance of all my images anywhere. This is the one that, this is the only one I want you to understand. And I think this will, this, this will tell you synchronicity if it makes sense to you, okay? Yeah. Okay, so what this is, it's so cool what it is too. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So this came from uh, Gleick's book on chaos. And what it is, is Newton's method of approximation for a quartic equation. Huh. Let me explain. So, you know, Newton's method of, of approximation, right? You start out with a guess and you're trying to do a square root, except in this case, there are four, four answers. That's a quartic uh, equation. So X to the fourth of some kind. All and right. you figure out what the root, roots are. So there are four answers, one, two, three, four. Four correct answers to a quartic equation, right? You see that? And it's new to me, but yeah. Okay. Well, if it was X squared, there'd be two, but it's X to the fourth. All right. So each of the black places is a correct answer. All right. Okay. So you start out with a guess and then you plug it into the equation and either it's a good guess and it winds up in one of these four places or it's a bad guess and it goes down the rabbit hole of the boundary. Now let's look at the boundary. The boundaries have the entirety of the thing over and over again. That's why it's a rabbit hole. Can you see it? Say that again, please. Yeah. So if you have a bad guess, if you start out with a guess that's too close to what in being in between. Oh, okay. okay. You don't wind up with a correct answer. You but you're in, you're in between the correct answers. Okay. Yes. And you never land anywhere. You just jump around. And the way you jump around is from one to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. And it looks like you're crazy. And you go infinitely deep. But the boundary reveals the fabric of the whole. Boom. See it? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're bouncing around in a boundary, you get a bigger picture. You get a bigger picture. And it reveals the fabric of the whole. Now let's go back and, and say, well, what is Newton's method of approximation? It's looking at the boundary between intuition and in, internal intuition and external reality. And I'm saying mathematics is external reality. Now you may disagree with that, but because wait, there's- wait. You're, say, you're saying mathematics is external reality? Is that what you meant? Way, oh. Yes, because there's an objective answer. Okay. Of all the sciences, math is the most objective right? We use it for all the sciences. Yes, we do. Yes. So it is the, it is more objective than anything. Is that correct? Is math more objective than anything? It's either right or wrong. Um, there's a lot of math where there's uh, ambiguity, uh, it depends on what you include like, like in math, like uh, like set something or other. Um, set theory. But set theory, yeah. I mean, set theory, sure. Set theory is, uh, I, I wouldn't call it ambiguous, though. Why do you call set theory ambiguous? Only because I don't know much about it, but it seemed like it was ambiguous to me. No. <laughs> I don't think it's ambiguous. It's actually... Um, it's very sophisticated and very concrete. Okay. Uh, okay. So let, let's, there are two things here. Um, the first is the, there is an external reality. And what you're saying with that, which I can't disagree with, is that math is uh, the closest we can come to knowing about that external reality. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm saying. 
That's what I'm saying. And so I'm saying that this diagram represents the intersection between inner and outer in that way. And I didn't even realize this until about 10 years after I used it. Huh. Because here's how I was using it. So I'm uh, obsessive compulsive and I go into an ice cream store and I can, can't decide what I want. I really want to, um, I want the right decision of what to, what to eat. And so I'm going back and forth between banana and mint and strawberry and blueberry. And I'm just bouncing back and forth. And, can, and so I'm going down here. And this is why, this is why obsessive compulsives cannot um, use logic to make decisions. That's, they get, they get that's caught. how I use this. They, caught, they get caught in the boundary. They get caught in the boundary. In that boundary, they're, they're seeing what, for you're seeing what all the flavors are in the store. That's right. This is how I use this diagram for years without realizing that the diagram itself at the intersection between inner and outer. It's a map of, of using intuition to grasp at objective reality or objective uh, truth. I'll say objective truth. And the, uh, the idea of intuition matching objective reality is very um, uh, uh, come a start with me. Right. It, it, right. It's, it, it's like uh, that's the way to figure stuff out um, and, and, and then get confirmation with the rationality, like the successive approximation thing. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's been my field, clinical intuition. So I've written books on clinical intuition. And of course, I use clinical intuition. And you're right. You always have to check it out for feedback. You can't ever run with it. That becomes projection. All right. I mean, I, that, that's the, I, that little visual for me of intuition and external reality is what, <laughs> what I really can go with so clearly. Uh, no, I told you, this, this is the granddaddy of the whole thing. So now let me shift your thinking a little bit to, um, all right, so we're both agreeing there's, a, there's reality outside of us, right? Yeah, it's comforting to uh, have somebody uh, go along with that, meet with me or me go along with you about it. But uh, yeah, I, okay. I, 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 there's something out there. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out what it is. And that's what we're talking about. Right, right. Because those consciousness people just like they, they dissolve reality. And I don't like it. I don't like what they do. And I'm not one of them. Yeah, it's, they do. They do do that. Like we are destroying this planet, for example. <laughs> okay, so now clear the deck from colors of ice cream or types of ice cream. And let's talk about complexity. So from my perspective, I think there are three, there are three different relationships. I think everything is relational. And I think there are three fundamental types of relationship. There's self-self relations, that's introspection. There's self-other relations, that's inner subjectivity. And there's self-world relationship. That's that's inner objectivity. Good. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say here are these four realms. We've got the self, self-self, self-other, self-world. Now all of a sudden, here are the boundary conditions, and it's all unified. And it's all, it's all self-similar. So here's your model. Well, by all self-similar, it's all unified. What do you explain what that? I mean is if, if, let's say, the green one is me and the yellow one is objective world outside me, yeah. here's the fractal boundary. And here's your coincidences. I mean, here's how one mirrors the other. 
because it's all part of the same interconnected whole. These are just- That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, you see it now, you see it. So we don't have to say, why do I meet my, you know, why did I run into my friend's best friend? You know, like the, the details don't matter if you've got the bridge as the boundary conditions that are open in a holistic pattern where the parts mirror the whole. Um, it is, it is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. The, the parts, uh, there's something about motion moving around in this reality that increases or decreases the likelihood of the meeting another part. Well, it's the attraction to the boundaries. If you're not attracted to the edges, if you're only attracted to the middle of stuff, you're not going to see anything. Yeah, that, that, that's good because um, in life stressors, transitions, you yeah. see more um, coincidences. Right. And that's because you're getting to the edge of... Uh, yeah, you're hanging out at these edges. You're hanging out. When you get on the edge, you're going to run. And I love... I love playing wide receiver. Uh, I like that being out in the open. It was like, uh, I liked the, the freedom of being out there on the edge. Um, I've, well, I've always been attracted to edges. I mean, I was a rock climber. I just like, I oh. was almost, uh, actually, I'll tell you this story. I mean, I'll tell you this insight I had, which was that I was a mistake when I was conceived. And I think that people's, circumstances of conception wind up being one of those algorithms that are lifelong. And I was my mother, I was a mistake. And my mother thought about aborting me for some time. And so I think I was on the edge from the start. And I have always been attracted to the edges, including being a rock climber and including just like going, you know, getting into UCLA and then leaving the department for my minor, you know, like instantly going to the sociology department and then the anthropology department to, for my, you know, it's like, that's a fractal, that's a fractal too, but the more we're attracted to the edges, the more we can see this stuff and experience the stuff. The more we want to be in the middle, it's invisible. Where, when you use the word fractal, I mean, I understand now boundary and structure and chaos. I've been interested in that for quite a while now. Uh, what happens in that in-between space? Mm -hmm. How come you use the word fractal there? Uh, I. Because there's another, there's a meaning there I don't get because I understood what you're saying, but then you add it's a fractal because I moved from place to place or department to department. That's that's where I uh, I get. No, I'm just saying no, no. I'm just saying that I've always been attracted to the edges, and the edges are are the place you can see the hole because that's how this fractal patterning works. Right, 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 right. That's, okay, okay. <laughs> okay uh okay. yeah it, it's uh Good. it's Thanks. like uh i i would use examples of freud einstein and marx as jews to being outside of the culture that they were in so they could see things that the other guys couldn't see very well yeah. they're stuck in the middle right i mean this just from this from the fractal perspective of the epistemology, you can, it puts together some of these facts that you've been aware of. But you can see how the epistemology is a little bit different than simply the, what a fractal is from a reductive point of view, right? Are you, you're getting it? You're getting I'm, it. I'm getting it. And we're almost at a definition of fractal that I can comprehend. Uh, we're, we're almost there with it. Uh, 
Um, and and there's a there's a you have in your mind a pattern of the pattern of fractal. Mm -hmm. You have an idea of what you mean when you say fractal. Right. And I don't know what that is when you say fractal. I have I have a lot of ideas from this, but I don't know what that were. I know it has something to do with interdimensionality and and that, but well, you got to make a shift from your whole reductionist perspective where you're trying to break it down with your left brain and go to a more holistic perspective where you start from the whole and understand the parts in relationship to the whole. So let's say the whole is one thing. There's only one thing in the whole. It's all interconnected. It's one thing. And whatever that one thing is, when you look at the parts, it's all there. But you can't necessarily see it all unless you're at the edge. When you look at the part, that contains the whole. Right. And that's what you mean by fractal. That's probably the simplest way of saying the, it. Yes. I use the word synecdoche quite often. Uh, for, for that same idea. Uh, and right. as above or so below to some degree, uh, the right. same, same thing, it's pattern. But what you're saying is as so far, which is very consistent with the way I have seen things. Right. Is that you can intuition is on it, yes. Because yep. the part represents the whole. In psychotherapy, you get a little bit of a part of a pattern, and that represents the whole. So you have to take it apart in more detail so you can see what the whole looks like. But that part is a representative of the whole. Now, I, that's and, intuition. That's dream work. That's, uh, you know, starting anywhere and getting to it anyway. Uh, <laughs> but if I, for me, at this point, fractal is the part represents the whole or is, is represents the whole. That represents the part. Go start with the whole. The whole represents the part. Right. Okay. So it goes the other way. That's what you're trying to tell me. Yes. And I've been trying to see the whole because I love to try to put things together and that's reductionist. But right. you're saying it's a two-way street. So. Yes, start with the whole and then look at the part from the perspective of the whole. That's exactly what I'm saying. Reverse it. All right. And that's what you mean by fully in the universe, and the universe is fully within us. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, you know, we take for granted uh, paradoxical boundaries like that. I'm dreaming of him dreaming of me. I mean, that's a recursive loop, right? I mean, this was based on a New York Times, I mean, on a, um, on a, uh, a New Yorker cartoon. But you can see it, right? I mean, we, we, unless we take people, take representations inside us, we're not going to, we, we don't have any kind of emotional or relational complexity. Uh, yeah, the whole, the whole is in, the whole is in my mind. I, right. One of my favorite lines is, uh, what do you think I think of you? Exactly, or, or I'm sure Artie Lang's uh, knots is something that you've, uh, you're familiar with because you're of the generation, right? All that kind of really complex, recursive thinking, that's recursive. You know, your favorite line is recursive. Okay, so we're at the end here. Fractals are profound because, well, this we didn't go over, but they exist both inside and outside of space and time. So a, a, fractal, um, a fractal pattern is both inside of different scales and outside of all scales um, because they're profound because they occupy this infinite expanse between finite dimensions like consciousness, imagination, and shamanism. 
the equivalence of part and whole, that's non-duality, and the pattern of the whole infusing the parts. People call that God sometimes. So as above, so below, religious <laughs> things, this is my art, this is like a fractal Buddha thing, and that's it. So. <laughs> I think you got it, right? I think I helped. I helped you there a little. Bit. Not the way you've got it, but I got it a lot better. I just want you to feel it in such a way that you don't doubt what you feel because that's draining to me, you know, this whole I don't know, all that. Uh, well, the, I've got to do the whole um is is reflected in the part not just the part is reflected in the whole whole is reflected in the part we're reversing everything we're going from a reductionist to a to a synthetic we start with the whole and the whole one thing i mean i think in some ways that's the easiest way of putting it the whole is all interconnected i mean the whole buddhist uh, religion is based on this idea or philosophy, if you want to say. Well, that's the one um, I'm going to let stick around in my mind. Uh, uh, for I, I know that I, there's a little space for me to understand understand that, and I'll just let it. I'm going to leave it alone now. Yeah, leave it alone. You, you recorded it. You can listen again. You got it all along the way. You it made sense to you. And you can see the difference between trying to, you know, take something and apply it in a reductionist way to, um, I don't know, how do, how do you describe this difference that between, you know, where, where it's, it's um, the, the epistemology is taking the meaning of how the pattern works and then applying the meaning as opposed to breaking something down and taking the parts and trying to fit them onto something else. And meaning is what synchronicity is all about. So, you know, that's why that's why I really wanted to take the time to, to try to make that distinction. And it's, it's one that, you know, the epistemology is only a year old. Um, meaning you're the originator of it? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I have uh, Richard Taylor. I mean, I've got all the, you know, finest minds on board who are infused with fractal geometry. So I, again, I've not had a single person say, no, this is wrong, who is intelligent enough to understand it. And I do not believe that that guy, Elliot Benjamin, who I don't know, I don't think he understands it. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No. I, I haven't had a single person say it's wrong. You gotta know you gotta know an awful lot to be able to say it's wrong. I guess. Well, somebody every what about this one? Almost every direct statement has uh, a, a, an insuffi is insufficient. There's always something missing. Sure. And, that, and that's the trouble with language. Right, incompleteness, sure. So, that, so we're talking about a philosophy of completeness, if you want to put that. Okay, that, that's, a, that's a good one. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I've just been, I've been just witness here this evening to a fract, the, 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 the one year uh, mark of the fractal epistemology and, uh, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to like to think about this, uh, and I, I very much appreciate your taking the time to do it, and I get a kick out of 
being licensed to go out there and talk about this because getting you on getting you on my show and i thanked uh, jeff mishlov for suggesting you to me uh and he was he was quite happy about that so he did that he said hey talking to her made me think there's something to, to the synchronicity thing because he's got a problem with it um yeah i know that was cool that was cool. yeah so he he appreciated you and he's a pretty smart guy and he could begin to get some sense that there was something there so he got you to me and uh and i'm i'm gonna write this up i i i would like you to look at what i write for psychology today Um, happy i'm happy to to look at it and this whole thing about inner objectivity i think is pretty key because we're positing there's a real world out there and that's the big difference from you know all the analysts who who are just caught in inner subjectivity as being it all well, at least they got away from just focusing on the patient. Well, that's true. They, they I mean, they, yeah, they got away from the um, intrapsychic model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, I mean, they're so slow, those guys, uh, in, in coming up with stuff. But I, I have a, I have a book uh, by a guy who was talking about the telepathy between him and a and a patient of his, and shared dreams, and trying to go past the usual mind brain barrier kinds of thinking so he's getting into the parapsychological parts of what happens in psychoanalysis which is to his credit and he sees uh what he'll call quantum ways of thinking about it non-local ways of thinking so he sees mind uh, over time and space so he's able to like um he's trying to get out of that uh place and rutledge published it which is a pretty uh narrow publishing companies and mm-hmm. it's written kind of accessibly he'll be on my show in a month or so uh, his mm-hmm. name is dan gilhooley so th- there is a little bit of eruption within psychoanalysis but they are so hidebound by uh loving freud and that they are having trouble getting out of it and right but but you know um both my synchronicity paper and my quantum paper which is the next was the next level of explaining this stuff um, was published in psychoanalytic dialogues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so they're they are getting you know slowly, but really slowly. Really slowly. Really. <laughs> and that's where I, I don't have a lot of patience. I mean, I have to do my own thing, you know, and and whoever finds me finds me. Well, I taught. I, I had developed a psychotherapy training program for first year residents in psychiatry. So I'm used, I'm kind of used to like this right. kind of slowness. Right. Uh, I, I have it in me too, but I'm, I'm very bent on trying to get these ideas now fractals and synchronicity and meaningful coincidences out there in not just the mental health mind, not right. just professional mind, but in the mind well, of the public. Everywhere. And that's why I was, I, uh, you know, I realized you may be my conduit for this stuff into the general public a little bit. So yeah. well, you already are. I've gotten some, if you look uh, on underneath your um, YouTube interview, there's uh, several comments on there that I responded to. Uh, so there's a couple of people uh, trying to read it. And a good friend of mine who's very discriminating said this, your interview with Terry is, uh, is uh, equal to me uh, to your interview with Deepak Chopra. It, it's that good to her. So there it, it start, it's, it's got, it's got something what you got. So, um, yeah, I like, I, I just, you know, as, as these dissertation students are using it. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. I'm like blown away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, because I, when I'm inside my own mind, I easily dismiss. But then I'm, I'm real, you know, like I said, I, I really, if people could think in these terms, I mean, I think indigenous culture does naturally. But we don't, you know, left brain tilt does not. The reductionist tilt does not. If people could, 
I, I think the world really would change. And I've, I'm getting more behind the power of this as- uh, I'm interested in developing a psychotherapy for the collective human organism. Well, I think we're, we're well aligned and, uh, you know, your intuition resonates and clearly you have power over me for all these uh, synchronistic resonances and I am, I'm having power over you. It's not power. That's the wrong. Yeah, that's, that's power is good. That's all right with me. Yeah. That's all right yeah. with me. Influence, but influence was an effect and that, yeah. that's, that's good enough for me. Power, power is like what drives cars and motivates people i mean it's, it's energy so talking about. i do yeah. i do i do i think it's a good word for, for what we're talking about so i'm going to sign off uh and watch the end of the super bowl um yeah. that's or what i used to call the super bowl so i haven't watched it very much um but i just want to see the halftime but um you missed it i know i'm sure i'm sorry but I tv here so i can't watch it anyway so all right all right. There'll, All right. Be re there'll be reruns of it. Uh, there'll be reruns of it. Right. A, lot of, a lot of Bitcoins being advertised, I understand. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm happy to read whatever you come out with. I'm happy to collaborate. I really want to move these ideas more publicly. And um, can I yeah. can I use this video? Uh, can I put this video out? Because Absolutely. It, it, I'm the student and Absolutely. you're the teacher and I'm like, was asking questions. So, uh, Put it out. okay. Um, yeah. uh, let me think about how, how and when to do that. But uh, uh, yeah. I think it's uh, this part of it's worthwhile also. So thanks. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Sherry. Thank you very much. My for, pleasure. Uh, the woman living on the edge. Uh, I love it. All right. Talk to you. Bye-bye.